Welcome to Sunshine Graces with Podcast Nun. My name is Sister Ave Clark. I am a Dominican sister from New York. I am happy you can join me today. Hello, everybody. Today is Podcast Nun Everyday Graces, and today we have Dr. Gloria Durker, a wonderful friend and a great author who I'm going to interview today. Hello, Gloria. How are you? I'm doing well, Sister Ave, and how are you today? We're doing all right, too. The snow has been washed away. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, especially by us, because we've had almost a foot of snow oh. on the ground for a long time. So I'm hoping that every bit will wash so the flowers can start to come. Oh, only Gloria would think of the flowers coming. (laughs) Well, I'd like to begin our interview today on mystics. I'd like to ask you, how did you start to write about mystics? Well, uh, when I first was asked to uh, teach a course on women in ministry at Fordham University, I was very thrilled. And when I uh, started to prepare for it, I began to read every single thing I could that was written by women. And I came upon people um, who were writing of the famous, now they're famous women, like Teresa of Avila and Hildegard of Bingen and uh, now Julian of Norwich and others. Uh, And I just was so... Uh, thrilled to be able to share with the women in the class especially that uh, women have been such an important part of the spirituality of the Christian community through the centuries. So I got an interesting letter in the mail uh, while I was preparing and it was from Paula's Press and they asked me if I would write a book on praying with Julian of Norwich. And that was the beginning of this part of my journey, which really was very transformative. Well, I read some of those writings and I love them. Now, do you have a favorite mystic and why? Yes, well, I, I, have my, I would have to say my most famous mystic from the past is Julian of Norwich. Um, I have met other mystics in my everyday life, as we all have, but Julian was especially uh, powerful for me because she uh, is the first woman that we know who ever wrote in the English language, and she shared the deepest part of her being with people during a time that was very similar to what we are experiencing now. It was the time she lived during the Great Plague. Mm -hmm. And uh, she she lived in a tiny little, uh, almost like a tiny little chapel, they called it an anchor hold, where she, probably in her 30s, decided that she wanted to devote her life to prayer and to God's people. That was what was so interesting. She didn't want to run away from people. 
but she wanted to be safe, and she wanted to be available. And I just want to mention, I did have the grace of going to Julian's anchor hold and to walk into the tiny little church and to walk into her, what we used to call a cell, and I saw the window. She had two windows in her anchor hold. One, one of them looked the church, and she could see and partake of the Eucharistic celebration every day. But the other window, and this is really what nurtured her spirituality and complemented the Eucharist, was that it looked out on the street. And this street is a little alley. And there's a, till this day, there's a brewery on the alleyway. And people would come by all through the night calling out to her, weeping uh, and mourning the death of their loved ones. Uh, And they were looking for an explanation of how could God do this to them. And nowadays, you know, we hear that expression from so many people. Even little children ask, you know, Mommy, does does God want to punish us? Or uh, are, are we being punished? Why is God doing this to us? And they came to Julian, and she was able to teach them about God's love. And uh, she filled their hearts with this. So she's very powerful uh, all along in in the human journey because we all all suffer through our life, but we also have immense joy. And um, so she gives hope. So that's that's energized my writing. And to this day, I find her wonderfully accepted by people who discover her and get hope from her. Well, when you mentioned that you walked in her footsteps, all I could think is knowing you, that you certainly walk with a mystical heart. Now, I want to ask you, what lesson do you think the mystics can give us today in 2021 with so much going on in our world? Well, uh, I'm going to start with saying... uh, uh, that Pope Francis, I think, hits the nail on the head for all of us these these days. And he, he, he wrote this beautiful book, which just came out right before Christmas, called Let Us Dream. And you get a picture of the Pope's spirituality there. It's beautifully written. And he, very early in the book, he says that... Um, When you're going through a crisis, which is what we all are going through now worldwide with COVID-19, but even with a personal crisis, you do not ever come out the same way you were before the crisis began. And he says, this is where transformation takes place. Whether we want it or not, it's going to happen. So that uh, I think there's a big lesson for for us today. You know, you hear people often say, I just want to go back to the way things were. Uh, really, they won't be exactly the way they were. Hopefully, we all have. 
is a very different way of being alone, not separated from, but really being connected in a deep way and learning to appreciate um, just the rhythm of uh, daily life and how precious life is and what it means to be a community. So that's pretty much um, what I think um, uh, we realize uh, that we all have a mystic heart, a part of us that craves to recognize that there's more to reality than whatever we are experiencing at any given time. Now, uh, go ahead. Now, Gloria, what favorite saying of a mystic, be it Julian or Norbert or one of the others, means a lot to you and why? Yes. Well, again, I draw from Julian, and I think this is this is the saying that is on posters and cards, and people are, uh, once they learn it, they keep repeating it to themselves, and it's simply this. She wrote, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Um, that's very powerful. Um, we, we as believers in uh, the way God cares for us uh, and we know God's presence in our life uh, can realize that in the end, in the end of any particular tension or suffering, the end is going to bring about uh, peace and comfort. That's just the rhythm of life. And uh, Julian, um, she had a wonderful image that she used. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share that image yes. with you and, and the uh, people who might be listening. She held up a, 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 a little nut called a hazelnut. And she said something like, see in this little thing that God made it, God loves it, and God keeps it, meaning God cares for it. So she's saying, if God made this little hazelnut, it helps us to realize God made everything, and God made us, and God loves us. No matter what we do, how we fail, how we might be worried, God loves us. Even if we're angry with God at a given time, God loves us, and He and will always love us. And then, and we will feel that love if we allow ourselves to see God everywhere. If we only have the eyes and the, we take the time to just sit, perhaps quietly, and just for a couple minutes, think about uh, all the life around us. I, I think that's a beautiful way because I think all can be well and all will be well. It's telling us that trusting with your faith is a beautiful gift. 
And that definitely is how we can connect the mystic's heart to the everyday grace in our lives. So my final question for you today, or just thought is, how do we connect our mystic's heart just to the everyday grace? Because so often when people hear the word mystic, they think it's out of reach. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I think, um, uh, you know, talking to people who uh, have to be uh, more homebound, I'll start with that today because of uh, the, the, the COVID-19, uh, find themselves uh, having to manage their time in different ways, including little children. And uh, it, it, when you read essays, even in the New York Times every week, it's so interesting to see uh, what people are noticing and what they are feeling. And it isn't just the, the suffering, but the great feeling of the rhythm of our lives. And there are all kinds of um, newsletters and uh, papers uh, and inserts in newspapers and magazines that talk about uh, how to begin a day. Uh, whereas people who work would be jumping in to uh, start the day with having a quick breakfast, uh, getting kids off to school, jumping in the car or subway to go to work and starting the day and eating maybe on, uh, uh, even on the subway on the way to work. But now uh, you can take 5, 10, 15 minutes if you're able to manage your time to sit just peacefully, even to just welcome the, the morning light, which is coming earlier and earlier for those of us who live here in the Northeast. Uh, it's getting lighter early in the morning. So many doctors and uh, so many spiritual writers uh, talk about welcoming the light and uh, starting the day. This is an ancient tradition to begin uh, the day with noticing the light. Even in the winter when it's dark, you notice the light by putting the light on or lighting a candle in um, olden days, but welcoming the light and thinking about um, the day uh, and being uh, filled with gr gratitude as well as um, hope, hope for what you are aiming to accomplish, but not as a checklist of tasks, but just looking at the day as a gift. Uh, Thomas Merton wrote about this, and he, he used to talk about life being transparent with God's love as we just allow ourselves to take the time. I remember I, I have a friend, he's since passed, but he was a Trappist, and uh, I think he even knew Thomas Merton personally. And uh, he, one time he said to me, Gloria, he said, um, I find I never have enough time, but now I discovered how I can 
have more time in the morning uh, to just lift my heart to God. Uh, he said, I go to bed 10 minutes early <laughs> so I can wake up 10 minutes early because mm-hmm. I'm too tired in the morning if I don't do that. And he said, isn't that wonderful? And I thought, oh, that is great because some people are very, very tired and find, oh, I should get up 10 more minutes early. That's mm-hmm. tough. But how about taking a rest 10 minutes earlier uh, in the evening, going to, to sleep? And so I think people um, are able to just take a few moments to pause, to breathe deeply, and to make it part of, of, the, of your day. It, it doesn't have to be the same time every day but morning is exceptionally well but sometimes it might be better to do it in the evening but there's a rhythm and I want to just add to that about children children uh, those of us who've taught little kids or raised kids you you watch this and you realize how important structure is to kids I mean they might uh, you know, moan and groan when a parent says, now it's time to go to sleep. But uh, at the same time, uh, knowing what's happening and what's going to happen is very comforting, and it's really a spiritual experience for the child to know that she or he is loved, cared for, and that it. Uh, when they get up in the morning, they're in a safe environment. So uh, that's how we connect. We connect uh, to the everyday things, such as eating, praying, but uh, taking care of each other, uh, noticing, noticing. Oh, you mentioned when you started out that the snow is melting, and then all the imagery of Spring is on its way. Easter is coming. Lent helps us get ready. So we start to make those connections. I think you have given us good insights into the mystic being in the everydayness of life and the everyday grace. We certainly will have you again, Dr. Gloria Durka. I hope everybody today listening is going to look up a mystic and realize you can have a mystical heart too. God bless you, everybody. Take care.